It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Rapine on a Monday, Monday evening. Joe Goodberry coming up in about 20 seconds. On Twitter, at Locked On Bengals, at James Rapine. Now on LockedOnBengals.com, three thoughts on the Bengals' loss as they dropped a 3-6 and six to the Titans. And um, three thoughts that include Vontez Perfect. If you're a Vontez Perfect defender, you're probably not going to like what I wrote, but you should check it out anyway at LockedOnBengals.com. Every single week following the Bengals game, Joe Goodberry joins me. He's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. He wrote a ton of stuff the past week for Bengals Wire, so make sure you check that out. As well, Joe, I appreciate the time, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right, considering the season's over. Yeah, it, the season's over, and it's funny, and I, I was in the minority, but I, I went to the Jacksonville game, and I saw that beatdown, and I thought that this would be not a get-right game, but I thought the Bengals would just do just enough to win and give us hope for one more week before eventually losing on the road to uh, a Denver team that's struggling right now, but they didn't. And they came up. Flat. They almost did. Yeah, they, they they almost did, and they should have, for a variety of reasons in my mind. But they didn't. And I want to start with, because you review the film every week and watch a bunch of stuff. And we talked about him last week. And Vontez Burfick's been a popular person over the past twenty four hours. Obviously, he gets ejected. But I, I don't want to discuss that uh, as much with you on, on what he did to the official or anything like that. Let's take all that out of it. Because right now, the past 24 hours, we've discussed Vontez Perfect. Did he do something egregious or did he not? Should he have been ejected? Should he have not? Over the past few weeks, you've watched every single snap of what Vontez Perfect's done on the field. Evaluate his play versus what you expect to see from Vontez Perfect. And we should say that they moved him inside in base defense after Kevin Minter went down. And uh, yeah, I think for a lot of people, we we kind of wanted to see it out of curiosity, and because he was always an inside linebacker in college, and he does it, he he plays inside linebacker role or responsibility, I should say, in the nickel defense. So it shouldn't have been too much of a stretch. Uh, but I definitely think it had an effect on his game. He was slower, and I don't just I just don't mean physically because he's never been the most athletic guy, but mentally he was a little bit slower. I think his his vision was a was a little different. You're in a different spot. You got different keys. It's just a little different inside, and I, I think it definitely took a toll on him in, in his play. Uh, the past couple of weeks, he just wasn't the same guy. I thought this week they backed him up a little bit to give him a little bit better angle, a little bit better view viewpoint. And the beginning, I thought, okay, Burfick looks good. He's running around. He's flying around. He's hitting. Uh, he just got carried away, and, and that seems to be how you can label Burfick for a lot of a lot of his plays and a lot of a lot of his experience with the Bengals. So. Um, overall, uh, you know, coming into the year, I thought he was going to have a, a fantastic year. He looked like he was in prime shape. Then the suspension happened. He came back. He didn't look to be as as ready to go. Um, they eased him in those first couple of weeks. And Minter gets hurt. You move him inside. And, again, I think that, that slowed him down a little bit, too. So, overall, he's just kind of been a guy. But I think in the middle – and I don't mean middle linebacker. I mean in the middle of the defense, they've been – 
kind of averaged all over the place. It, the defense has been good enough to win, but nobody's really standing out as a dominant player outside of Geno Atkins. And so um, I think he's fallen into that. And I think a lot of veterans, you can look at almost any, any veteran on this team besides Atkins and say they're playing below their, their ex, you know, expectations. And I think that a lot of that is the wear of the season and, and the coaching staff and knowing that they're probably on their way out. He's Joe Goodberry. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, it's so maddening uh, from defense to, to offense. Let's stick with the defense, though, with this team. And I thought overall they were okay. I thought they held their own, which I don't know if Tennessee's considered it really that good of an offensive team, but they held their own. But with that being said... Couldn't I argue without Vontez, without William Jackson for the majority of the fourth quarter, without Adam Jones, a lot of people ripped them for that last drive. Couldn't I argue that it was a, a long time coming and they had kind of bent but not broke that whole second half and, and they were just on the field too long? I think that's the strongest case you can make, to be honest. They, I went back and looked at the last four weeks, and now the last two weeks is, is crazy, the, the discrepancy of how many defensive snaps. I think it's 170 for, for defense last two weeks, and – 90 on offense. So basically the defense has played a whole extra game um, than the offense. And if you go back four weeks, it's almost two games that the defense has played um, more than the offense, just based on snaps. They're tired um, and guys are getting injured and, and they're getting, you know, when you get, when you end up with Darquez Denard, Josh Shaw and Drake Kirkpatrick, um, you don't feel very confident in your corners. And then you have Clayton, Fedge uh, Dellum at safety and you he had an okay game, but still, you're at, you're your third safety at that point, maybe even fourth, depending on how you look at him and Shaw. Um, in the backup defensive line, when it's all rookies and Billings, and you can consider him a rookie, Billings and Glasgow and Willis and Lawson, and they're getting run on, and they're trying to give Atkins a break, they're trying to give Dunlap a break. Um, you kind of feel for them because they have played so many more snaps so many three and outs on offense. They're just, they have to be guessed. If they didn't have half the depth they do, and the Bengals are deep, really defensive back end and defensive line, more than most teams. If they didn't have that type of depth, it would get much uglier, much quicker. And so it's not excuses for them. You still have to come through in the clutch. You can play a terrible game on offense and need a touchdown at the end and score one the way the Bengals did with A.J. Green. And you can need a stop in defense and have a terrible game. And if you make the stop at the end, it doesn't matter if you've got the win. It ended up being the opposite. They, I thought they had a really good game, especially in the second and third quarters, especially when the pass rush needed to come alive in the second half. Uh, I thought they did. And it just happens that the, a couple penalties by Josh Shaw down the, down the, the, the stretch, uh, a couple missed tackles, uh, Mariota making a couple plays on a couple nice throws. It just, that's the difference in the game. And if you've been out there for 80 plays already, it's just, that's what's going to happen. It is what's going to happen. And let's flip it now to the offense because I've been very critical of the offense and I want to get your take upon further review. I want to start with the first drive because it's the very first drive. A.J. Green doesn't get suspended. You got your ass kicked the week before and you know your season's on the line on the road. And their first play is a screen pass, which I have no problem with the screen pass. It makes a lot of sense, especially on first down with the bad offensive line. What boggles my mind is that it goes to Brandon LaFell. I don't know if it's play calling is the issue or it's not the play calling, but who they're called for. When you watch that, was that a pattern through yesterday's game? Has that been a pattern for, throughout the season? You could almost 
put most of the blame on their self-evaluation and put in their own player evaluation because, I mean, you can start with offensive line and they allowed two of their best, their two best players to walk in free agency because they expressed confidence in Jake Fisher, et cetera. They didn't know Trey Hopkins was going to win that job, but they, they figured they had guys on the roster that could do it um, at receiver. They figured, yeah, we need a receiver in John Ross. But then when he was injured, they said, we'd be okay with Cody Cole running the deep routes. They were completely wrong. Um, they said, we'll be all right with LaFell on the outside and Boyd in the slot. They were completely wrong in that. Um, you know, so they continued to start Jeremy Hill at, at running back, even though the other guys were more talented, but they treated him for whatever reason as if they couldn't play or, or that it, may, it mattered that running back was in his fourth year and the other guy was in his first. It, it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, their self-scouting and, and own player evaluation has put them in the hole that it, that it has. They've allowed – look at receivers and then the guys they've let walk in free agency and guys they let walk on, on defense when they, when, they, when they shouldn't have um, that are still playing and still quality players in the NFL. So, yeah. A lot of it falls on self-scouting. And that first play is a great example of it because LaFell has never made a guy miss in his life. I mean, I'm not being serious, (laughs) but the point is he's not the guy that you want to make someone miss. I would rather have A.J. Green on that. I'd rather see what Josh Malone can do. If you're going to put that in the playbook on Tuesday, Wednesday, when you're building your game plan, why not have John Ross do that? That's not he doesn't have to learn anything new to run wide receiver screen, and he might do something with it. And that's the part that drives you nuts is you're going to put this in during the week, so you're going all week with saying we're going to start this game with a screen to Brandon LaSalle. How does that how does that go all week without someone saying really you think that's what we should do? And yet they still do it, and yeah. this, and it kills their first drive. You look at their third downs, and their third downs have been terrible on offense this year. They're all third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. And that's exactly what happens the entire game. And it's because of their first down play calling, their second down play calling. They just don't know what they have. There was too many plays to LaFell. He had ten targets. I think Green had seven. Um, LaFell's fine when it's zone coverage. We saw the long touchdown. Zone coverage. It beats it. Great design. Great play call. Anyone could have run that route and done that, though. Anyone could have made that play. But... It's when the man coverage on third downs, when they're trying to force the slants to LaFell, trying to force the out routes to LaFell, and a Dory Jackson, a rookie, has him in a straight jacket, and he can't get an inch of separation. You're asking Dalton to make a, a perfect throw, and that's not who he is. Marvin Lewis said it after the game that our receivers aren't getting any separation, and they're not, but the offense is not helping them get separation either. You can stack them up. You can bunch them up. You can put them in motion. There are ways to do it, and they're not doing that at all either. He's Joe Goodberry. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. We do this every single week following the Bengals game. You can catch it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Megaphone. And If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Joe, 
it, it leads me to the next thing because, and it's not John Ross yet, oddly enough. Like, there's so many gripes I have with this offense. They don't seem to think that an offense that can't run the ball, that's flawed on the offensive line, that's got a quarterback who, quite frankly, is flawed as well, shouldn't be doing everything it can to get the ball to A.J. Green. Like, A.J. Green is their life. Like, the Green Bay Packers offense, Aaron Rodgers is their life. Well, Green A.J. Green is, is that for the Bengals. And yet, when he only gets seven targets, it boggles my mind. Like, yesterday, he should have been closer to 17 targets or 27 targets than seven targets. When they, they had one drive in the second half, that scored a touchdown, and it was that 70-yarder to A.J. Green. Outside of that, they had 39 total yards otherwise, I think. It was something like that. It's it's unbelievable. Spending... Like, like ride or die with A.J. Green. Like, I it, yep. just do that, right? When they're installing new plays and trying to come up with new plays during the week, I would be happy if to know that all of them were going to be designed for A.J. Green. <laughs> like, that first screen to start the game, that should be green. Give yep. him a touch. Get him in early. Move him in motion. Get him into the slot. You know what? It's not like LaFell's winning. It's not like Josh Malone's winning. Get green in an advantageous situation. Move him around. Those reverses, two to Erickson, one to and a jet sweep almost to uh, to uh, LaFell. Give one to green. Get him the ball. Put it into his hands. It should be 15 targets a game. Who else is demanding targets on this offense? They don't know how to get the ball to the running backs. So is it Croft? Is it Malone? Is it LaFell? I mean, we're not talking about anyone special. They're just guys out there at this point. Maybe Malone will be something one day. Croft's been a, a nice surprise. But, again, he's not. no one's scared of him. It, it has to be green, and it has to be green consistently. I'm watching him, and half his plays are either the post, the, the go route, or a comeback route. And – Defenses are just sitting on it. You've got a safety shaded over there. They're dropping linebackers underneath. So you have a safety deep and inside. You've got a linebacker short and inside. The corner is just sitting on A.J. Green's routes for the comeback route. And it's got to be so easy to defend him. He's an elite player in the NFL. And they probably sit, look at the film and go, I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about anyone else on the, deep, on the offense beating us. I don't have to worry about anything tricky coming from A.J. Green's routes or where they align him at all. It's just... It, it drives me crazy to think they're wasting a prime year of A.J. Green and wasting – and you're, you're, you're likely going to clean house or be close to it in this offseason. Go out swinging. Go out giving the ball to your best guy, especially after last week when he was so frustrated. And you, you got him lashing out in a way that no one would ever expect from A.J. Green. He's visibly frustrated. You can see it. If that last play didn't happen, that 70-yarder, it would have been another game where, you're, where he's going through a stretch where you're like – they are not using him enough. They are not finding a way to give him the ball. Um, and he comes through in the clutch. And credit to him, hats off to A.J. Green. He's, he's a pleasure to watch. I just can't stand watching this offense right now. Yeah, because it didn't have to come down to the wire. And your defense didn't have to be on the field the whole game. And they could have been up by more than than what they were. It was 20-17, to 17 and they hadn't scored a point in the second half. Like, like that's the thing to me is if that's going to be the case and your offense is going to struggle – why not struggle with A.J. Green getting it to – like the basketball reference. If you have Allen Iverson and a bunch of scrubs, well, I'd much rather have Allen Iverson get 30 shots than the scrubs. <laughs> right, and that's that's how we're ending up. If you're going to throw it 30, 35 times, how is it not Green 15 of them? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. In the, it, it's been that way. 
like he spoke out week two and it kind of changed a little bit. It changed week three. But like their best games this year, even the Buffalo game, and he struggled at times in that game. He was also the reason they won. Get him the ball. Look at last year. Their offense was terrible last year, too, and with a better offensive line. Mm-hmm. It was only the games he went off that they won or, or had a chance in. And, I mean, it, defenses know that, so they're trying their best to get him out of the game. And if a lot of it is because, and we talked about this before, probably not in a while now, but pre-snap reads, a lot of the offense is based on what the defense shows pre-snap. And because Green mostly lines up on, on, the, on the outside, um, uh, on the weak side usually, but on the outside, and Defenses are showing a cover two look normally pre-snap, rotating into a cover one. The cover two look takes Green away. You're showing them already that you're putting the safety over top. The Bengals will just say, okay, Green's not the option on this play. And then they'll rotate into a cover one. So it's middle field open at first, middle field closed after the snap. And because the Bengals and specifically Delton struggle to read post-snap, they're into throwing in the coverage or forcing it to guys that are covered or to the wrong guy. And, that's why defenses can take him out so easily is because a lot of the Bengals' offense is just predicated on what they see, what they see before they snap the ball. He's Joe Goodberry. This is our weekly Bengals film review. Great to have you in on the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Rapine. Joe, now let's get to a guy. And I've seen some headlines. Um, John Ross struggles, makes big mistake. I, I don't know who said that. And I, I know uh, – Twitter went off like I can't believe John Ross stopped, including me. I I went off too on it and I got frustrated. But here's the thing: five snaps. I read his quote after the game in the Dayton Daily News. I think you said you did too from from Jay Morrison. Like to me, and I haven't talked to John in in a couple weeks. It sounds like his confidence is wavering. How did they use him in those five six snaps that he got in yesterday? What did you see from him, including the the deep ball, the shot they took, and and then the rest of the plays that he was in? Yeah, the rest of the plays they it didn't seem like anything was designed specifically for him. He was just in for a breather for whoever the starter was, and I think that's indicative of what they're doing during the week. Um, he must not be getting a lot of snaps in practice. If he does, they're not specific to him. They're just more of okay, you're in an X receiver as green's out you're in at z receiver as lafell's out run this route you know it's not specific for him it's just when you get in as the fourth guy this is you know this is you run the plays as called um the, the deep shot seemed like it was for him uh it seemed like they were going to say okay we're going to get him the ball we're going to try and spark it we're going to try and get him some confidence give ourselves maybe a spark uh and and go from there now on, on a deep on a vertical route it's not just speed deep downfield, and hope you get a good throw from Dalton. There's there's four opportunities to win on that play. Uh, the first one is your release. If you can release cleanly, it gives you an advantage. It keeps the timing on time so that the ball will, will land where it's supposed to be. If, if you look at most vertical routes, they're 40 yards downfield, five yards from the sideline. is where you can expect the ball to land. Um, so you get first opportunity is a clean release. He gets that. Second opportunity now is to get onto the corner. You want to get as is tight to him. If he's in off coverage, you're stepping on his toes at this point. You want to get hip to hip with him if possible. And it's not just going around the corner. You have to get on top of the corner. And this allows you to shield your body from the ball, no, to the ball, and from the defender getting to the ball. That's where. That's where Ross loses on this play. It's a lot of it is hand battling, winning with your hands and your speed, your acceleration and your second gear, um, and he gets tangled up with his hands. You can see it. And they, I think there, a flag could have been thrown on this play. 
Um, there wasn't. So you have to fight through it. You have to get yourself clean now on the third step of, of, of the vertical route. And the last one is tracking the ball and making a play on that last five yards, that last, last little bit. And that's where Green really really excels as a, as a vertical receiver, whether it's slightly a, a push-off to get a little bit more vertical or just tracking the ball and making a play on it, reaching for it at the very last second. Um, I think Ross thought it may have been overthrown or that to the point where he wasn't going to get to it because he got tangled up a little. That, that fourth step there is still an opportunity to catch that ball. So I think that's where he came back to the sideline and, and figured to himself, I should have kept running. And he probably should have. But not winning on the third stage of that vertical route is really the error and really where, um, where he really needs to work on it. And, and a lot of it, route running and receiving is so much more hands than most people talk about. Usually you think of feet, you think of your athleticism. Your hands win on half your routes. And that's definitely where he lost there and he got tangled up. And for me, you go back and you say, fine, okay, you know, I'm not going to take him out of the game for the rest of the game for that. They, you got a couple more routes. Uh, but having them run those vertical routes and continue to do it and continue to have live snaps against an opponent that's going to press you differently or, or, or use his hands differently is key and something you've got to keep doing with Ross. And I was surprised the Bengals, well, I guess I'm not surprised at this point that they didn't go back to it or, or have more plays in there for him. Yeah, Joe, it's so frustrating because, like, if I asked you who the top – not even top newcomers, but some of the top players on this team this season and moving forward might not be one or two, but like Joe Mixon's one of their three best weapons, probably their second best offensive player. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. Just uh, on talent alone, I would say it's it, you have Green and then Mixon. And then on defense, you got guys like Carl Lawson and Jordan Willis and Ryan Glasgow and all these young guys. William Jackson. William Jackson, correct. That's the prime example. That's what I that, like. That's the thing that pisses me off the most is because there are so many people who are ruling out the fact that John Ross could be good. I got a tweet that said, quote, uh, and I'm paraphrasing kind of, but he went out of his way to call him a kid. He was like, I'm really worried about the kid. He looks lost out there. I don't think the kid knows what he's doing. And the way the Bengals are handling John Ross, and I'm not doing it because I love the pick, whatever. I, regardless, if I liked it or didn't like it, they're not setting him up for success. Awesome. They're not setting him up for success, Joe, and it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> and you know, and like people will say, well, we we keep defending Ross or keep bringing up Ross. He's the ninth pick. He adds an element to his offense, and they have a struggling offense. It's yeah. important. You can't just let him be a bust. You know, you have to make sure he's good. That's part of coaching. That's part of you want to make you, you are going to hire an offensive coordinator, an offensive coach, if you do this season with that in mind. You're going to say, we've got John Ross with AJ Green and Joe Mixon and maybe Tyler Eifert if it goes that way. But you're going to use him as a piece to sell the next coach or the coach may show the ownership, hey, I can use him this way or I can get everything out of him. He is going to be a chip. He's talked. He's going to be talked about. Can you continue to be talked about? Part of getting him ready. Part of making sure he's mentally ready, physically ready, and able can, to run your offense falls on the coaches. It, and so much of it is is preparing a rookie and getting him ready on limited snaps and getting a a, a part of the playbook carved out for him. Getting a few roles getting a few snaps carved out for John Ross in order to build his confidence. I think a lot of guys lose confidence when they don't play, when they get injured early, or when they get a few snaps and they don't get the opportunity to really shine. 
it, 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 confidence grows quickly and it, and it, it, it evaporates quickly. And uh, you, William Jackson, right, is the, is the example because he didn't play his rookie year. So could he have been a bust? Sure. He doesn't look like it right now. His talent looks like exactly who we expected. Erquez Denard couldn't get him on the field the first couple of years. Frank Kirkpatrick couldn't get him on the field the first couple of years. They'll be okay. Your whole, your whole career isn't the first 10 games. I'm still excited for John Ross. I just, I'm not excited for what the Bengals coaching staff does with him or really anybody on the offense. He's Joe Goodberry on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. And I, I go back to this, like, with John Ross, just get him a screen, just get him a slant, just throw in the ball. Like, his targets this year, the, the two times, the two coach him up moments were the fumble in week two, and then it was the deep route the, yesterday. And yep. in both times, he got yanked. Did he play another? I don't recall him playing another snap yesterday after that deep ball. Do you, did you see him out there? I saw him in on two more after that. Okay. So I think he did. And he got one more after the reverse, too, where he fumbled. So, But I do think that they still use him. Like you, like you said, his coaching moment. They're like, oh, no, I guess it didn't work. You know, I guess you're not that good right now. you got to study up a little bit more. And that's just a feeling I get from this team. We're, we're begging for them to manufacture touches for Ross. They can't even manufacture touches for A.J. Green, and we just talked about that. How can they even get to Ross, who they view as a backup? And Marvin Lewis has made all the comments in the world to make you think he, he dislikes the guy or it wasn't his pick. And so we shouldn't even be surprised at this point. I am just so ready to accelerate this and wake me up in, in January. And, and that's the thing now, Joe, is, is that's a really it's a nice segue. Because it was Ken Zampezi, and Zampezi was taking all the blame. And Zampezi, and Zampezi, and Zampezi, well, he's gone now. And there's two common denominators. One is obviously Marvin Lewis, and the other is Andy Dalton. So to me, I look ahead to this offseason, and I, I know it might be harsh to some people out there, but I would try to move on from both coach and quarterback. I think if you want to change culture, do you want to change the atmosphere, do you want to shake things up, Coach is, is obviously where a lot of teams go. Um, not many teams are in position to go move on from, if you consider Andy Dalton a franchise quarterback, and I think some teams would. Uh, there's not many opportunities. You have such a bad team or a bad run team and a team that just doesn't seem like they're in it with a solid quarterback. It just doesn't happen. If you end up drafting top five or six, it's because you need a quarterback, and the Bengals are going to be in that position come, come the end of the year. So it, it's kind of a, a, a weird situation because they have an out in this contract. They have an opportunity to move on from him. First time since 2014 when his contract was expiring. And they were seriously considering a quarterback that year from everything I've been told. And that was, they, they drafted him probably 21st because that's where they drafted it throughout the whole four years. But um, Bridgewater, Derek Carr, and Manziel, and they seriously considered one of them. But they took uh, Dark White Bernard at the time because they thought he was a top 10 player on the board. Uh, and so that's the route they went. But the point is... Wait, you said they seriously considered one of them? Yes, that they did. You know that for sure? And that's what I was told by someone who would know pretty well. Can you say who? And can I... <laughs> no, but okay. I will tell you in private. Okay. And, I, I uh, meant like which quarterback, not not, not, not oh, like who no, no, told no, no, you. No, no, I don't know which one. Okay. Um, I, I think curious. there was some... I, from what I put it's together, okay. I think there was some debate internally over like Manziel and, and, and whether or not some people like Bridgewater and Carr. And so um, I think Manziel hype got to a lot of teams where they're like, you know, this guy could be special. 
So, you know, I think that's why. Yeah, if he was off drugs, I agree, but. <laughs> well, if they, I'm, one of, my point is, I think if they were unanimous on one guy, they may have went that way, but I they gotcha. weren't, and that's, that's why they didn't go quarterback. But now that they're going to be drafting top six, you know, probably, they're, they're going to run into an opportunity where they may really like a quarterback. And if you want to change the culture, and this is where I started this, if you want to change the culture, you want to change the excitement, you want to change the energy in the building, they're more than likely going to have a new head coach. I, I think everyone feels pretty confident in that. But if you also have a new quarterback, you can re-energize this thing and you can reopen this window again, maybe not in 2018, but in 2019. He's Joe Goodberry. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, this season wasn't supposed to be like this. Um, It's week 11. It felt like last year's draft season was really long because they were 6-9-1, and and for the first time in a long time, they weren't relevant in January. This draft season is going to feel like forever. But but so is this regular season, so... (laughs) That's true. <laughs> you know, it's been, oh, anyways, man, I appreciate it. As always, I will uh, catch up with you soon. I'll talk to you, to, uh, well, tomorrow. I'll talk to you next week after that big uh, big win in Denver. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what's going to happen. And they're going to write this ship because the AFC sucks this year. That's the worst part, isn't it? Yeah, so it's wide open. Oh wide open. Honestly, if this was like the 2015 team and this AFC this year, I'd be like, they could win the Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> Yes, you're right. Like, that's the thing. They really could. Um, but would, like 2013 and 2014, I would feel like they're one of the best teams in the AFC. And, yep. and maybe not just one of Maybe the best team. The Patriots are flawed. Brady will kick your ass in the playoffs, but that defense sucks. Yeah, they do. But the thing is, is now the Bengals wouldn't even know how to get the ball to A.J. Green against that defense. So it's oh. You're right. <laughs> It's nuts. Um, real quick, actually, before I let you go, just one more question. What did you think of Andy Dalton's performance yesterday? Because everyone's going to say, oh, well, two touchdowns, high quarterback rating, he played well. But uh, And we haven't talked about this. This isn't my agenda against Andy, but I just wanted to get your take. He was okay. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to say at this point in seven years we've seen everything from Dalton, from the highest highs, lowest lows, and maybe 50 of those games have been just where he's just been okay. And it depends if the, if the rest of the team, the defense, special teams, offense, is good enough to carry it. And um, they weren't and, and on the other phases. He was okay. I think third downs, again, continues to be the killer of this team because he's not the guy to make that throw on third and nine. He will check it down. He may make an inaccurate throw. I think outside of the numbers this year, he's been pretty bad and then in the intermediate area. So you're getting in these third and eight situations, and he's got to throw it or throw it, throw it into coverage. He doesn't look comfortable doing it. He's the same guy. He was fine. He was efficient for the most part. He got really. He got the ball to AJ Green when it counted, and they could have they could have won the game with it. But overall, um, you're not going to win many games with that performance. You're not going to win many games with that performance. There you go, all you Dalton lovers. By the way, the offensive line wasn't bad, was it? No, it was fine. You could win a lot of games with the offensive line performance. <laughs> <laughs> He's Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate the time, man. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, James. That's Joe Goodberry. Be sure to give him a follow on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Great stuff from Joe, as always. And that was, that was fun. I promise you we don't plan to agree. We don't stage that. That isn't it. I was telling Joe, though, uh, after I let him go, I was like, man, we agree a lot. (laughs) We agree a lot, a lot, a lot. Tomorrow, well, we're right back at it here on Locked on Bengals. Look, I know the season isn't gone the way I thought it would or you might have thought it would. 
This is your number one Bengals podcast. Each and every day, I will be here. I'm still going to be in the locker room. I'm still going to get you the inside dirt. And uh, now that I think about it, I have an idea of who the Bengals were considering at quarterback. Be happy they didn't go with that. That should tell you all you need to know. I'm James Erpine. Enjoy your evening. And until tomorrow, this has been the Locked on Bengals podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.